Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So what do I do about that? Where's the, where's the application? Where's the, where's the tie-in? Well, here's the verse. It's a powerful verse. It's given in the scriptures for you and I to take an inward look. The verse is found in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and it simply says this. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. How genuine is the faith you proclaim to have? Today, Pastor Mark will really challenge listeners to get real about their walk with Christ. In our world today, there is so much we can't trust, so many phony advertisements and ploys to take advantage of you. If we as Christians start lacking in our genuine faith, how are we different than the world? The last thing we want to do is create a lack of credibility or trust amongst those outside the faith. What steps can you take in your life today to ensure that your witness for Christ is pure and your faith is strong? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he begins his message entitled, Get Real. to Matthew chapter 21. As you know, I like to uh, travel. Actually, my wife and I both like to travel a lot. I like to travel a little more. She loves me, so she goes with me. Um, One of the things I like to do is try different foods because we're into lots of different foods around the world, and uh, we're open to all kinds of things. One of the things that we do like is uh, a little bit of dim sum. It's a Chinese deal, and one of the things that they make is something called a char siu bo. And it's a, it's a little meat uh, puff that's a wonderful bakery puff. And inside is, can be all kinds of sweet things or good uh, uh, Chinese barbecue pork and whatever. Well, recently I saw one of these on the news. You may have too. Here's a picture of it. It's a little different than you and I would like. Because what's happened is, this is a restaurant in China who, instead of putting pork in, put pork-flavored cardboard in. Let me read you. The owner of a restaurant was frustrated with the growing price of pork and decided to use the flavored cardboard instead. Well, the filling was prepared by soaking this cardboard in water and then adding caustic soda to make it look like pork, and then finally adding pork flavor and fat. What do you think? Yummy. Well, here's an update. This was all over the internet. Here's the update. Recently, we reported to the world on a story that a restaurant had been caught serving pork-flavored cardboard in their buns. Today, we discovered that the reporter made the entire story up, 
hoping to get some media airtime for himself. The reporter apparently purchased the materials, hired a few migrant workers to make the buns as he filmed the story. Now let me ask you a question. Which one of those scenarios is real? Is it, was it a total hoax? Or, like we've seen many other things already now from China, was it a cover up by the government? Was this actually happening, but the government covered it up? We'll never really know. What is the real truth? You say, well, these Chinese people and whatever. See, probably you drink either Aquafina or, you know, the cheaper one, usually at Walmart or whatever, is this Nestle's, make bigger of chocolate. And, of course, this honey. Well, when you take a big gulp of that and it's ice cold, man, you can just picture a stream with rushing water flowing down and it's crystal clear. It's just wonderful as you take it. What have we discovered? Well, the stream comes from your faucet. All of those come from regular city water somewhere. Not a stream in sight. But, of course, we pay a buck and a quarter. Smart, aren't we? Now, think about this. No much so much so that on the side of the bottle now, they're going to have to put PWS, public water source. Real. Real. Let me give you a definition of real. Say real with me this morning. Real. Well, here's what I, something else I want you to say. Get real. Here we go. Get real. Oh, come on, put a little zip in another. Get real. I could veer. I could even hear veer over there from that. Get real. Well, here's a definition of real. Factual, true, genuine, not counterfeit, not imaginary. Not cardboard, not tap water, real. In our teaching, today we're going to talk about getting real. Of course, we know that the goal of every person is to be like Christ because the role model for being real is Jesus. In our lives, you should be real. I should be real. We're going to study what that means and how that works. Look at Matthew 21, verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. Early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, Jesus was hungry. Hungry is an interesting word for Jesus, isn't it? That shows us his humanity. The humanity of Jesus, being fully God and fully man, is very important. Why? Well, this shows us that Jesus can sympathize with our human problems. He knows exactly what we're going through. In fact, some of you this morning, in a light way, you might be hungry here. Or in Vieira, you're hungry right now. You, you like that char siu bo bun, but with the cardboard, you're not hungry any longer. But see... Some of you in this building in Vieira, watching by the internet, you have a big, difficult problem right now. There's a lab result coming this weekend. There's a divorce receipt problem. You're having trouble making the mortgage. Well, Jesus doesn't know anything about that. Oh, yes, he does. See, that's his humanity. And because of his humanity, he cares. He understands the problems and the temptations of life. And I can be confident this morning that God cares about your situation. Well, Jesus is hungry. 
what is he going to do? Here's Balmer's translation of verse 19. And Jesus, walking by, saw 7-Eleven and told his disciples to wait. And he went inside and bought a latte and a package of Fig Newtons. Now, why Fig Newtons? Well, no, that Jesus didn't do that. We do that today. What did Jesus do? Look at verse 19. Seeing a fig tree. Now, you know where I got Fig Newtons. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on the tree except leaves. And then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. Well, what's the story of figs? Let me give you the idea. In Israel, in March, fig trees begin to bud. And there's actually a little teeny fruit, a little bud, that forms. About a month later, the bud is kind of hidden because leaves come out all over the tree. And then, as we get toward May, these little buds, which were edible, but not that great, but they would fall off, and the real fig would come forward. So when Jesus saw the leaves, he knew what happened with figs. He assumed that there'd be small buds, which meant that eventually there'd be big figs. But he looked, and there were leaves, but no buds. So that would mean that whole year, this tree would produce absolutely nothing. It was useless. So he simply curses it, and it dies. Now, some of you are here this morning, you're thinking, thanks a lot, Pastor Mark. I got here early. In Vier, I got here early, and I have a fig lesson. So what? I could care less. I don't even like figs. What's this have to do with anything? Well, it has a lot to do with everything. Because from this, Jesus is going to take his disciples aside, and he's going to teach all of us a spiritual lesson about what just happened. See, Jesus was the master at object lessons. He could take basically anything and make a beautiful application. Well, let me ask you to write the first thing today. Profession without proof, fruit, is useless. It's false advertising. You see, the leaves on the tree suggested that it was bearing fruit, but it wasn't. You're familiar with false advertising. So why was Jesus cursing this tree and it just dies? Why did he do that? Well, understand, it, first key, the fig tree equals the nation of Israel. So, the fig tree in the Bible is always a picture of Israel. So, what was Jesus saying? Notice, the tree had leaves, claimed to have figs, there were no figs, the claim was false, who cares about a tree that has leaves? If you're looking for food, it's useless. The Jewish nation as a whole, well, they professed faith in God. But in practice, they had nothing. There was cold, lifeless, dead religion with no power. Actually, 
Even worse than that, Jesus had come to them to be the salvation of the world. They rejected him. They had no relationship with God. They, I mean, the Jewish nation went, we're the sons and daughters of God. That was the advertising. We know the one true God. We have a relationship with him. It was all false. They didn't even know God. Jesus said, if you know me, you know the Father. The Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. So, like the tree, Israel as a nation in the time of Jesus was spiritually barren, inwardly corrupt, and like the tree, simply useless. We say, thanks, Pastor Mark, that's good. Now, I learned about a fig tree, and I learned about the nation of Israel. Jesus was talking about the nation of Israel. Thanks so much. By the way, why was Jesus talking? What, what was the representation of you're dead? Well, it was simply this. In 40 years from right at this time when Jesus was alive, 40 years from then, the nation of Israel, their center, the temple, destroyed totally. Titus comes in, it's gone. There is no temple in Jerusalem today. There will be when we get ready to start the tribulation, but there's none. So it was a picture of what was going to happen to dead religion. It was dead already. Why have it? But you say, well, thanks, Pastor Mike. I learned about figs. And now I learned about the nation of Israel, that their religion was dead and useless. Thanks a lot. I don't like figs, and I'm not Jewish. So what in the world does it have to do with me? Everything. Say with me again, get real. Get real. Get real. What people see is not the real you. You see, when I'm out, no matter where I am, what you see is what you get. And usually, here's what I get. You are short, aren't you? (laughs) At least I know you came to church. Praise God. See, I'm not perfect, but what you see is, is really what you get. I'm the same person in public that I am on the pulpit right here. Same. Some of you are not. And that's what was happening in the nation of Israel. So what do I do about that? Where's the, where's the application? Where's the, where's the tie-in? Well, here's the verse. It's a powerful verse. It's given in the scriptures for you and I to take an inward look. The verse is found in 2 Corinthians 13.5, and it simply says this. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So what we're going to do today, we're going to look inward. Now, I can't look at you. You have to judge your own self. Are there parts of your life that, well, simply aren't real? And I'm going to give you five key principles to help us take an inward look at what God's doing. Here we are. Number one. A real CF, a real Christ follower, has a real relationship with God. One of the things that I think is very important, let me make some statements about myself and then translate them to you. I know without a doubt this morning that I'm saved and my sins are forgiven. I know I'm not perfect. I know I still sin. But when I ask for forgiveness, God gives it to me. I know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I'm totally confident that I'm a real Christ follower. I'm not a perfect Christ follower. 
There are none. But I am a real Christ follower. Now, all those statements I've made, if you're a Christ follower and you're real, you should be able to make those statements. You see, John would write to the church, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Some of you were taught that you could never know. When you die, if you end up in hell, you know you weren't. If you end up in heaven, you know you would. That's the only time you know. That's wrong. That's 100% wrong. You see, when I go to bed tonight and lay down, put my head in the pillow, doesn't matter what happens during the night. Now, I'm not excited to die. Nobody looks forward to dying. But I'm not afraid of death, the end result of dying. You know why? Because I know exactly where I'm going. It's not because I'm a pastor, not because my dad was a pastor, not because my grandpa was a pastor. It's because I know Jesus Christ. See, I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me give you a little clue. A huge percentage of so-called Christians in the United States are not real Christians. In fact, so much so that in Matthew 7, Jesus says, On Judgment Day, he'll say to many, not a few, many, I never knew you. They weren't real. So how do I know if I'm real? We're going to go through the scriptures. You have to judge yourself. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get real. To finally, when you leave this building and you leave Vieira, or when you turn off your computer from watching the internet, you can just go... I'm finally real. I've got faults, but I'm finally real. You know what the most miserable thing in the whole world is? Pretending you're something you're not. Because you're always afraid somebody is going to find out. The great thing is just to be who you are and be real. Not perfect. There's none of those. So we want to examine ourselves today. I want you to do it. As well. In fact, Matthew 3 8 says this Prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and you've turned from God. So, one of the key proofs that you're real, here's how you begin to examine Has your life changed? If it has, aha, something will come for your life. Keep your finger right where you're at and turn back uh, to the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15, just about three books back. If you're a real Christian, a real follower of Christ, then your life has changed and that's proven by something called spiritual fruit. Here's our second of five keys today. Write it down. Proof. A real Christ follower, CF, bears real fruit. You see, when I repented, repentance means change of heart, Something began to change in me. And we discover what that's like in John 15, verse 1. Another practical application using the vine and the branches. Watch this. I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it will be even more fruitful. Now you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. 
In your Bible, you may want to begin to circle this word because you're going to see it forever in these next two verses. The word is remain or abide. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I'll remain in you. Now, no branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, here we go again, remain in me. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man, here we go again, remains in me and I in him, what will happen? He will do what? Bear how much fruit? Much fruit. Oh, and by the way, apart from me, spiritually, you can do nothing. You see, when you trusted Christ to save you, the Holy Spirit came inside of you. And all of a sudden, you were united in this visual picture, this vine, grapevine. You became a branch in it. God plugged you in. And now you have a living, vibrant relationship. From that real relationship comes real fruit. Now you say, well, Pastor Mark, am I supposed to be, like, be producing apricots or figs or peaches? No, 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 no. It's spiritual fruit. If I'm in the vine, then from that vibrant living relationship, something happens. Well, what is fruit? Here's the answer. You can write it down. Vera, you want to write it down as well. What is fruit? Here it is. Well, fruit is really just the, a person and everything they do. Their character, what they say, what they think. And it is shown in at least these five ways. Let me give them to you and explain them to you this morning. Number one, if you're a Christian, you'll produce fruit. First fruit, godly witness. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means if you're going to be a Christian, you care about lost people. Remember, we had our fish tanks here in Enviera, and we prayed for those people. You're going to witness people. You're going to share the gospel with people. You're the ones that need to do that. I'm the one that does that. Why do I do that? Because the heart of God is the same. The heart that lives in me is now God's heart. Lost people matter to Christ. When I became a Christian, Galatians 5 is filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness. Those characteristics, now careful, not perfectly, but they began to show in my life. I'm different than I was before. Number three, godly works. Do you know the scripture says this? If you give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus to somebody, you get a reward for it. Number four, godly giving. You see, one of the difficult things that happens in our lives is this. Watch this. When you get saved, the most difficult thing for you to give up is your wallet to God. Now, Pastor Mark, are you going to talk about tithing again? Yeah. Because, see, it isn't mine, it's God's. So, godly giving. It shows. And last, godly praise. If I'm a Christian, good stuff should come from my mouth. Would you consider your relationship with God to be real? Today, Pastor Mark challenged listeners to get real about their faith. For some Christians, it has become hard to tell whether their walk with the Lord is genuine or counterfeit. As Christ followers, there should be no question on the genuineness of our devotion to Christ. Evaluate your life and see if your relationship with Him is bearing real fruit of your investment. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What is spiritual fruit and how might I bear this fruit? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will answer this question for listeners. A real relationship with Christ is one that bears fruit. This only comes by following and staying close to Jesus and the truths of the Bible. Maybe the witness of your life is far from godly right now. Ask the Lord to weed out the unrighteousness so you might resemble the heart of Christ. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Here